started it. Oh, jeez. Cue <laughs> fake podcast music. <laughs> da, 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 da. Hello and welcome to Mission Mother Mayhem. I didn't Mayhem. do my part. What? I really screwed Oh, you don't tell me that you start? No. <laughs> I didn't do da, da, da. Oh, your part. You're right. I just panicked and started rushing. <laughs> so good. You want me to do it again? You know I'm keeping this in here, right? You probably are. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, I'll just go to the part where your hosts are Allie and Jen. Ta-da! <laughs> what are you talking about today? I know you just said it, but my ADD kicked in. I'm talking about women who married a known murderer in jail. Wow. Yeah. While they're already in prison? Yeah. So there's no question that they're murderers. Correct. Okay. Yeah. I have something a little easier to swallow. Um, witches and monsters in Michigan. Well, yeah. There's like what childhood nightmares are made of. I know, right? Right? You want to go first? You want me to go first? I'm watching this magician show. Yeah? It's like a TV series. I like sci-fi. But I'm... Oh! Your brother's watching it, too. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. So, it has that guy and all these moths make up his head. Really? Yeah, that's scary. Sounds scary. You want to know what scared me? As an adult, which actually scared me twice because I watched the episode again... Was uh, I like Doctor Who, mm-hmm. and Christopher Eccleston was in Doctor Who in like the early 2000s. He did one season. Well, that one season, there's this one where this kid has a gas mask over his face, and these, all these people do. It's like an unremovable gas mask, and they only say one thing. It's, are you my mommy? Like, are you my mommy? Oh, Jesus. But in England. And yeah, he's like, are you my mommy? And I'm like, oh, dear Jesus. Like, all of a sudden, the phone will ring. You'll pick it up, and you hear, are you my mommy? <laughs> and I'm like, no. I'm going to do that now when you call me. Fuck you. <laughs> In the nicest way. It's going to be great. <laughs> you want me to go first? I, I'm like, I usually say, do you want to go first? And then I ask you to go first. I'm like, yeah, I so. Think, I, think, I, I know. I'm I, waiting for you to tell me what I'm doing. I say it like it's a question, but I always say, do you want to go first? Why don't you tell me what you have? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'll go first this time. Okay. 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 Whatever you would like. All right. So I got the drowning pool. Which, right now, my mom is actually on Mackinac Island. And this is on Mackinac Island. Okay. My mom's at the Grand Hotel. She is loving life. She keeps texting my sisters and I in group texts about how much fun she's having. Mm. But Mackinac Island sits on Lake Huron. And it's just under four square miles long. Long. Four square miles long. It's just okay. four square miles is all together. Okay. All together. <laughs> yeah. And in the 1700s and the early 1800s, a lot of brothels opened up around Fort Mackinac. And seven women on the island, working in the sex trade, were accused of being witches. And their crime was enticing men of the area. Which I'm like, if you're in the sex trade, yeah. you are trying to entice people. That's your job. Because you want them to come in. Yeah. I was like, you're, they're just what? doing their job, you jealous bitches. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> in order to determine if someone was a witch or not, rocks were tied to their feet and they were thrown in the lake. Women who sang and drowned were innocent. That's innocent. When okay. you die is innocent. Die is when you're innocent. Yep. The seven women accused of witchcraft on Mackinac Island were thrown into a lagoon between Mission Point and downtown Mackinac, and all the women drowned. So no witches are just straight killing seven women. That's murder, people. <laughs> you just killed seven women. Yeah, I can't yeah. believe no one. Well, this is back in the day when they're like witches and all that kind of stupid ass shit. So, people have reported... Oh, wait. The spirits are considered to be haunting the lagoon to this day. People have reported mysterious sounds of splashing bigger than a fish. Because at first I'm like, fish? Yeah. <laughs> but they're like, bigger than a fish. I'm like, okay, I'll give you that. 
and um, shadow figures that float above the surface surface of the water, rising from the water. Oh, jeez. You so, went there. Yeah. Did, did you see it? I don't remember going to that lagoon. Oh. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, oops, we didn't go everywhere, I guess. Well, the next one I have are the melon heads, as explained by Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> So the Melonheads were known to live around Felt Mansion near Saugatuck, and the mansion was built between 1927 and 1928 for a lumber baron, Dor, is its first name, Dor Felt. Uh-huh. So Dor also patented a calculation machine to aid his accountants. Dor's wife Agnes died suddenly on this date in 1928. Dor married a year later, and his second wife preferred living in Chicago. So he left the house for his four children that he had with Agnes, his first wife, who kept the house, his kids kept the house until 1949 when they sold it to an arm of the Catholic Church. The Melonheads were said to be children who suffered from encephalo- hydrocephalus, which is also known as water on the brain. It causes a normally large head. Okay. And there were a few, there's a few versions of their story. So one version is that the children were raised in an asylum near the mansion. And after enduring years of abuse, they escaped to become feral, living in the surrounding forest. The Allegan County Historical Society insists that there was never an asylum in the area, but there was a prison. So they're like, no, we had a prison, but no asylum. Mm-hmm. The second version of the Melon Heads, also known as the Wobble Heads, so some people call them Wobble Heads, okay. say that the children lived in Felt Mansion, and again, they were suffering abuse, and this time it was at the hands of a doctor. And the children band together to kill the doctor, hiding pieces of his body around the house. And the children knew that because... Uh, of their appearance that they couldn't like go hide in society mm-hmm. so at one point they retreated to nearby caves that had been created by an abandoned zoo so they lived in the caves of an abandoned zoo yes and these rumors and uh, there are rumors that ghosts of the doctor and the children who died in the mansion can still be seen and the light through an open door is supposed to show the shadows of the doctor's murder like you'll see the shadow of his murder through the door that's creepy that's creepy as shit i have one about the werewolf of gross point so, hundreds of years ago, a young woman named Genevieve lived with her father near Gross Point. Genevieve had decided to become a nun and moved to Three Rivers, Canada. Okay, because there's also Three Rivers, Michigan, so I just wanted to make sure we knew which one. Yeah. Okay. So, Genevieve's boyfriend, Jacques, was distraught and uh, desperate to keep her in Michigan. So, he made a pact with a Native American, his soul, for the ability to become Lou Garou, which is French for a werewolf. So he would use his strength as a werewolf to steal Genevieve away and keep her with him, even if it was against her will. So I was like, wow, you're a shitty boyfriend. Yeah. You know, he's like, you're staying with me even if you don't want to. Yeah, we call that abuse nowadays, yeah. Jack, <laughs> just so you know. Imprisonment. <laughs> yeah. During one full moon, Genevieve went to the woods to pray at an altar in the form of a werewolf. Jacques attacked her. Genevieve ran but collapsed at the feet of a statue of the Virgin Mary passing out. The spirit of the Virgin Mary protected Genevieve, turning Jacques into stone. He was able to be seen as a motion in his motionless rock form on the shore of Lake St. Clair. So there's this rock on Lake St. Clair that looks like the shape of a wolf. Years later, a werewolf kidnapped a girl from her wedding ceremony. The groom, Pierre, went out looking for the creature. When he returned, he told everyone that he chased the wolf to the lake where it was swallowed whole by a giant fish. Okay. Yeah. So the townspeople believed that he killed the werewolf, but he didn't want to face any charges, so he made up the story about the fish. The werewolf rock that had been on the shore of Lake St. Clair suddenly disappeared from its original spot, and it reappeared at the corner of Kirby and Calfonte Road, C-H-A-L-F-O-N-T, 
E, where it sits today. And the werewolf has not been seen since the 1800s, but its howls could sometimes sometimes still be heard during the full moon. That's right. You That's didn't know crazy. that, did you? No, I didn't. Okay, and then a sign I'm doing the Denton Road ghost, where at one, time, at one point you and I tried to go to the Denton Road and yep. wait for the ghost, but it was a blizzard that night. And you know what we saw? Snow. 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 And, and we lost the recording of that. We, we didn't lost. actually record. Yep. So I'm going <laughs> to tell you the story now. Okay. Yeah. So I had heard of the Denton Road ghost in the early to mid-1990s. In 1993, I moved from my parents' house to Ypsilanti to go to EMU, Eastern Michigan University. And I loved it because my cousin Jay lived nearby in Canton. And in between the two of us was Denton Road. And one night in the 1990s, my friends and I stopped on the bridge on Denton Road late one night because we'd heard about the ghost, that if you stay, you know, stop on the bridge, you'll see her. I honestly can't remember too many details. Like I said before, I smoked a lot of pot in the 90s, and that night was no different. We didn't see a ghost, though. I would, I would remember that. But <laughs> today, I'll tell you about the Denton Bridge ghost, known as the Blue Lady. Oh, I said, before Jen and I sit here quietly at the bridge, oh. we did at one point. We did. Yeah. For quite some time. Yep. To see nothing. To see snow. But snow. It was coming at us. It was bad. <laughs> so here's the version of the ghost that I know. A local man found out that his wife was unfaithful. The husband kills the wife's lover with an axe. Enraged, the husband then tries to kill his wife, chasing her down the road as she flees with her baby in, their, in her arms. The husband catches up to the wife at the bridge, where Denton Road crosses the Rouge River and kills the two of them there, and she becomes the blue lady. There, there's a few versions of the story that say that the husband kills the wife, but not the child. And the child is said to drown later in the river. Some say that the baby is just never seen again. There's also versions of the story that include the blue lady being seen carrying a lantern looking for a baby. Um, so side note, there's less detailed stories that involve a child being hit and killed by a car on the bridge and a car driving off the bridge, killing the occupants. So people stop at the bridge. People that stop at the bridge are said to see an apparition of the woman killed by her husband on the bridge. She is often accompanied by a blue glow. It is claimed that they can hear the cries of her baby, and small foot and handprints can be seen on car windows. Sometimes floating lights and orbs can be seen uh, near the bridge. The original bridge that it goes across the road was replaced in 2003. Yes, I missed it. Yeah, after my initial visit. So, too bad I smoked too, too much pot to remember what happened the first time. Yeah. Yeah. So, tell me, what's your story? All right, I got women who married known murderers. Wow, bring it. <clears throat> I'm bringing it. Full it's force. Been, it's been brought in. Yeah. <laughs> it is said that women fall in love with men who are in prison. The success rate is high. So. Wow. You know why it's they, high? Because you don't live with them and they don't annoy the shit out of you. That's what I That's what I put. I said, I would think maybe because they don't live together. How can you get sick of someone who you don't see very often right. or waste the time with a person being mad and arguing with them? Yeah, if they piss you off, hang up, what are they going to do? Yeah. Write a mean letter to you? <laughs> Call back collect. Yeah, exactly. Philip Carl Jablonski was a serial rapist and murderer. He murdered the mother of his child, Linda Kimball. He was apprehended in 1978 and became pen pals with Carol Spadoni okay. and married her in 1982. Wow. Philip Carl was released in 1990, and after that he murdered four women. 
But not his wife? Two of them. Okay. Two of those four. Yeah. One being his wife, Carol. And so he did kill her. Yeah, and her mother, Eva Peterson. Oh, and her mom. Uh-huh. After these murders, he was arrested and sentenced to death. Well, what did she expect? I know, right? <clears throat> Happily ever after. Oh, you know, no, he only rapes and murders other women. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oscar Bolin murdered three women in Florida, and he was on death row in 1996. At his legal defense, or on his legal defense team, uh-huh. there was Rosalie Martinez. Okay. Okay, so that was one of his lawyers. Yeah. She ends up leaving her husband and marrying... Bolin. The killer. The killer. She claimed by marrying him, it demonstrated to the public that Bolin was innocent. They stayed married until his execution in 2016. Oh, I thought you were saying until he got out and killed her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so he was executed. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't... So you... And her husband was a... A lawyer. A famous lawyer. Yeah, so it's like you're you got a good life going and some women are mentally imbalanced even though they do have degrees. I don't think yeah, you could be crazy and have a degree and you know and pass the bar. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) Richard Ramirez was a serial killer and rapist who was known as the Night Stalker. Yeah, he raped and killed women in the Los Angeles and San Francisco area between 1984 and 1985. He received letters in prison from a magazine editor, Doreen. Lyle, L-I-O-Y. Okay. They fell in love, and the two married in 1996. They remained married until he passed away, waiting for his execution in 2013. Dang. My favorite story of catching a serial killer is how he got caught. Yeah. Yeah, he got beat up. (laughs) (laughs) He had to ask the cops for help. Oh, jeez. And, of course, I had to do Ted Bundy. Yeah. Because it's all over the news still. Of course, we have to mention him. Yeah. He killed more than 30 women between 1974 and 1978. A former co-worker, Carol Boone, married Ted. Interestingly, he proposed to her during one of his court hearings and was immediately married there on the spot. Yes. Florida had a law stating that just a declaration of marriage in front of a judge constitutes it as legal. Yes. His marriage was dissolved in 1986 by the request of his wife three years before his execution. Do you want to know why? Yeah, why? So she believed the entire time he told her he was innocent and she believed her. The closer he gets to his execution, he starts to admit that he to the police and everyone that he did kill these girls. Well, as soon as he starts to admit that he is a rapist and a killer, she feels all betrayed because she believed he was innocent. She has his baby while he's in jail. They have sex in the room where you know you're supposed to meet with your you know significant other, while the you know guards are looking the other way. So she has his baby. She thinks he's innocent. Well, he starts to admit that yeah, he did do it, and she just was like, oh fuck that, and divorced him. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, at least she got smart. Yeah, thank God. Eric Mendez was convicted of killing his parents in 1989 for financial gain. Those are those two brothers. Eric and Lyle. Yeah. Yeah. He married Sammy Sekoman. They fell in love after Tammy became Eric's pen pal. Tammy wrote a book in 2005 talking about their relationship. Wow. Which we'll put a link to that. Okay. A lot of these people, you just... 
once you start writing a prisoner, I guess you fall in love with them or something. Well, once you go the first step, I guess you're ready for the second. I guess. Mm-hmm. And then I have Kenneth Bianchi, B-I-A-N-C-H-I. Okay. Was convicted in the 70s of sex murders in the Los Angeles area. Oh, Bianchi? Bianchi? Yeah. Okay. The only reason why I noticed, you know, I'm into serial killers. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. he was known as the Hillside Strangler. Yes. In 1989, Kenneth married his pen pal, of course, Shirley Joyce Book. Oh, her name is Shirley Joyce Book? Yep. Okay. <laughs> she was actually tried. Okay, so she, this is interesting. She actually tried to get married to ten, Ted Bundy. What? Yeah. But when he did So her crank gets turned by serial killers, I guess. Yeah. Get it. Okay. <laughs> but when he didn't you know, want to marry her. Yeah. She went with Kenneth. Wow. Yeah. So she's like, you're not special, Kenneth. Any serial killer will do. Yeah. <laughs> Shirley also has an interesting story, another interesting story, that she provided false testimony at Kenneth's trial. And she was found guilty of attempting to strangle a woman to make the public believe the Hillside Strangler was still roaming the streets. What? She went to great lengths to get hitched to Kenneth. Wow. So crazy. she's crazy. Yeah. As a fucking loon, yeah. <laughs> and then I, yeah. And then I found this book uh, called Cellmates, Soulmates, Stories of Prison Relationships. Oh, my gosh. It is about the phenomenon of relationships and the bonds that are created between prisoners and outsiders. Okay, so. I'm going to link it. I feel the same way about pen pals in prison, the way I do about online personas. Like, one day, uh, this person I know really well was meeting people on the internet. You know, they're exchanging messages, and I said, well... They're known for having a bad temper. I was like, did you tell them that you have a bad temper? Like, I don't have a bad temper. <laughs> and I was like, see, the thing about when you meet people on the internet, you're telling them what you think of yourself, right? They don't know who you are. They just know how you're representing yourself. Because you're like, oh, you know, you know, because you're different online. You, mm-hmm. re- you're representing yourself. You're not your real you. They don't see you in the morning with your, you know, stinky breath and messed yeah. up hair. And yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. And I think I feel the same way about pen pals. Of course, you can be nice to each other. You're not there in each other's face all the time. Well, and I'm assuming prisoners can write pretty sweet stuff because they have nothing else better to do than think about those things. Right? So Yeah, good point. So you've been listening to Michigan Other Mayhem with Allie. And Jen. And connect with us at michiganothermayhem.com to join the conversation, listen to the podcast, access show notes, find site links, and correct us when necessary. Rate and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, which isn't Google Play called something different right now? I didn't think so. Oh, okay. Anchor and YouTube. <laughs> Bye-bye now. <laughs>